Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. Number 39 of the 50 most relevant. Yeah, we're making our way seriously through this countdown for 2023. It's who I think are the most relevant players across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. It's all about creating a conversation. It's not, I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. That's what this time of year is all about, is looking at players, considering the possibilities, having an open conversation, and seeing ultimately what's right for your fantasy side. Yesterday, Kane was an incredible guest on the Errol Goulden episode. If you haven't checked that out, go back and check that bad boy out. But we had to get him back again because he loves the fun ones. And Kane, Darcy Cameron on the at, at like first look across the community is a very popular pick, but there's some big holes as we'll unpack him throughout this episode. MJ, I've toot and froed on this guy already, and we've just started you know, really cracking onto the preseason. He's just so fascinating for me about, you know, what is that number you're expecting from him? Because that's always how I started. What what am I expecting from this guy? What is he priced at? What do I think he has to get to to be a good pick? And um, some days I'm drawn to certain numbers. You know, maybe yeah. it's him with Aiden Begg in the team. That really just jumps out to me. Maybe it's, you know, him with Mason Cox. Yeah. And then sometimes I think, what is it going to be second year taking that toll of being a premium ruck, you know, mm. carrying your sides ruck duties for a whole year? Because we know that's that's really, really tough. It's a brutal position, the ruck position. You take yeah. a lot of battering. It's a lot of hard running and work. And um, clearly last year, MJ, he was one of those picks that if you got it right, if you jumped on, well, ideally in that Gold Coast game once, once Grundy was ruled out, yeah. or even if you got on shortly after, he was sensational. He really, yeah. really was. And he Season provided defined. great cover. Yeah, he provided great cover. He was at a cheap price. He was producing premium scores. And um, it's a great reminder, isn't it, MJ? That this is the stuff that does pop up throughout the year. There yeah. will be another Darcy Cameron every year in 2023. And we won't every know. Year. It might be something that happens midway through the season, back end of the season. But when they emerge, if you jump on, it's, it goes a long way to having a really, really successful season. So um, where do we want to start, MJ? Do we want well, to start with... Well, I think with... the key is we look at his year in a, in a totality yep. sense is a top score last year across the formats were career high scores for him. 27 years of age, by the way, right forward eligibility. We'll talk about that DPP. That's hugely valuable that we want to get to throughout this episode. 133 against the Hawks in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Top score last year and career. 130 in Supercoach against the Dockers. Career high and season high scores. He's setting you back at an average of 81.9 in AFL Fantasy means in those two formats of Fantasy and DT 725,000 in AFL Fantasy and 743,500 in DT while in Supercoach an average of 84.6 will mean he'll set you back at $465,900 and I think you talked about it already beautifully Kane already about what happened to make Darcy Cameron so relevant last year when Darcy Cameron was playing as a primary forward at the occasional chop out in the first handful weeks of the season. He is someone that rightly so on draft boards was not selected and was left 
in the player pool. Correctly so. Between rounds the when he started in the year, right through to the end of round six. This is how his stat line looked. 12% of center bounce attendances, one hit out, 8.4 possessions, 3.4 marks, one tackle per game, an average of 46.6 in Supercoach with a top score of 72, and an average of 47.8 in AFL Fantasy with a top score of 71. Then he did what he needed to do. Opportunity comes significant role change. And that's exactly what Keynes talked about. Another one will happen this year, whether it's in the ruck or another line, we don't yet know, but a significant role will open up and someone delivers double their points per game at their price point. Cause this is what happened once Brody Grundy was out of the side. He went from an average of 47.8 in dream team at fantasy up to an average of 92.6. That's a differential of 44.8. In Supercoach, he went from a 46.6 average up to a 96.5. That is 49.9 points per game differential. You want to look at some of those other stat lines that we just talked about before? Well, his CBAs jumped up to 58%. He jumped up to 14.3 possessions per game, 4.1 marks. 20 point jump, 20 hit out jump from one hit out a game to 21 hit outs a game. And from a fantasy perspective, that 92.6 in Dream Team and Fantasy, including that 133, was six tons and four additional scores, 90 plus. While in Supercoach, 96.5 average, a top score of that 130, eight tons and four more. Simply put, as you've said, injury creates opportunity. Coaches that jumped saw that, got rewarded, and both for Cameron entering into 23 and coaches looking for something similar, there's plenty to learn for us in this new season. Absolutely, MJ. And you know what impressed me the most with him, MJ? Across Mm. that stretch that you mentioned from round seven onwards, and I'll just go, I won't include the finals because we know finals get a bit, they get a bit messy. It's a bit of a different game. But from round 17 to 23, how consistent was he with his scoring? Like, if you look at it from DT, he had two what I would consider stinkers. Now, the first one, yeah. I'm still not quite sure what happened in this game, but it was round 19 against Eston. He scored a 34 in DT, a 71 in Supercoach. Yeah. But it was the only game in that stretch from taking over as the primary ruck from Grundy that his CBAs were below 40%. And they were 31% with Mason Cox having 69%. It did look... Like he was just really tired that game. He just could not have any influence. Yeah. And it was just it was just quite bizarre watching it. And I, I think a lot of people thought by that point he's, he's just he's just run out of steam. He's run out of steam. He's absolutely he's absolutely buggered because he just was not himself at all. It was it was really, really weird. He had four touches mm. in the game. It was just not a performance we were used to. But then the next week he's back up to a ninety-six against Port Adelaide. So that was weird. And then the other one was Melbourne. You know, he ran into mm-hmm. Melbourne in round 21, 52 DT, 45 super coach. That's Gorn and Jackson. When they're yeah. going, it's it's just a really tough matchup. A lot of other great Ruckman have struggled in that matchup. That was clearly a real struggle. You mm-hmm. know, again, it was the influence around the ground that really hurt him. He still had the 21 hitouts, but those guys are tough to get the footy on. They're both super fit, super athletic, and he just had the six touches yeah 
But then again, MJ, what does he do after that? 96 and a 79 in DT and 164 and a 64 in, in Supercoach. So yeah, uh, like a lot of rucks, the Supercoach, it is a bit more volatile in terms of the comparison to DT. We sort of get a feel with midfielders that it's going to be, you know, most weeks about a 10-point increase. Yeah. With the Ruckman, sometimes it can be a 40-point increase or it that's can be true. a 30-point decrease. And I think that is just, you know, those hit to advantage. A lot of that does sort of fluctuate. So yeah, um, typically though, and you can see it, as you said, as you mentioned, across the course of the season, the Supercoach was slightly higher, mm-hmm. but there was just a bit more volatility with the Supercoach. Um, yeah, as we always know, the hit to advantage, a couple of those become to your team opposed to the other. And it's almost a five to six point swing per hit out. So yeah. That's a really impressive stint. Like that, that's a 16 game. It's enough to size. give you confidence into yeah. a new season, especially with Grundy traded out. McStay likely should take the Mason Cox role um, and be a better forward support structurally and yep. a comparable ruck solution. I and would that's think, the thing, isn't it, Jay? He's a bit more mobile. When we think about yeah, McStay at Brisbane, he is someone that the way they want to play and move the ball quick, yeah. he is a guy that can you know get up, lead up the ground and then also get in behind. We know how many goals they got out the back from just work rate and ball yeah. movement. And that's not really Mason's game, is it? Mason is a no. give you an option down the line. And again, I'm sure he still has a role He's a good in mark. the team. Yeah. But I think at this point we're projecting that the best 22 they line up with has Cameron as the starting ruck, yep. McStay as a chop out. Um, and I think the other positive thing we have to mention, MJ, is while the back half was super encouraging, mm. the start was so bad across the first five weeks. It's kept his price down. 40, it's kept his price now. Averaging 48 in DT and 46 in Supercoach with Grundy from round two to six. Yeah, That's enough of value baked in because often what we see with these big runs home and what makes it really hard the next year is when they come home like a steam train. While we love it in the previous year if we're on, if we're looking yeah. forward to the next year, it takes away a lot of that value, especially yeah. if they get they get really, really hot because it, it is hard to maintain that across a season and you're paying for it. So to basically across that stretch have 10 points of value baked in, if you're just saying he just yep. does what he did when he became the starting ruck across 2023, you're looking at 10 points of value and it, and it gets mm-hmm. really close to what we spoke about with Errol Goulden yesterday. Yeah. Is 10 points of value. If, if you're low 90s in DT, and mid nineties and super coach, is that enough? Is that yes. enough? Where that's right. Now, I think the hard thing with Cameron is he does provide ruck cover. He does, which is which is really handy. But the thing I always worry about with this is, well, how often do you need the cover? And what I mean by that is, if you are choosing Cameron over someone, let's just say Zach Butters. Sure. If you're choosing Cameron over Butters for the DPP of the ruck, for the DPP. And maybe you do think, oh, Butters might have more of an upside. You know, we've seen what he can do when he gets hot. If Butters scores just say ten points a week more than Cameron, and you know you had the choice of either, sure. after ten weeks you're hundred points down. Your ruckman goes down for a week. You swing, you swing Cameron into that line. Um, you play a forward rookie, in, um, in replacement of Cameron. Maybe sure. you recruit 50, 60 points. Yep. So that's the funny thing. Are you better off, you know, banking those points with the perceived better player? Sure. Yeah, that's not to say Cameron might be able to do it, but that is the thing you are running a risk of is I don't see him as a guy that's 100 plus personally. Sure. No, I, think, I think that's fair. I think sometimes when you come into these roles, 
there's a bit of excitement. You haven't had that toll of being at the elite level mm, for a year on year. And, yeah. and, that, and that is something that's encouraging. He is 28 years old next year. Mm. But as you, you know, MJ, it's one thing to do it for a chunk of the season, mm-hmm. to do it from the whole season, to train all preseason, knowing that you're the guy, to be targeted like you're the guy. You know, Brent mm-hmm. comes against Collingwood now. It's okay. We know Cameron. We've played against Cameron. You don't have that does. surprise factor. Yeah. Um, so that's why for me, I to and fro because to have that cover is so important because if you there do, it. like think about an English last year, MJ, when he was just, oh, he's missed a week here or there, but he's Kim so and good. I don't, was so helpful yeah, I don't, that ruck forward. I don't want to trade him. You know, English was so good. I don't want to trade him. So a Cameron would be great, especially in those limited trade formats. Yeah. Um, but we know those limited trade formats are becoming trade formats more and more now, aren't they? It's not that's back true. in the day when we just had 20 trades. So I think that's the thing that I do worry about is that this is a guy that I think is best is is about a 1995. Mm-hmm. We mentioned in the Errol episode, the forward line is stacked on paper. And At we the top of the tree, especially. Additional DPPs. So, yeah. um, you know, you're running Cameron and you're starting squad as an F3, F4 or an R2. Mm. I think that's sort of where people structurally are fitting him in. Um, I know cover's important, but how many times if you just you do just not need it? It's yeah. just one of those things that's so hard. And, and maybe, MJ, that cover's not as important if a bench ruck emerges, which we don't know. We, we don't know what injuries might take place between now and, and round one. So he's just a guy that I just to and fro on because I, one side of me says, I see the value. I can yes, see it's at his price, there's 10 to 15 points upside. That upside takes him to a level that I'm, content with holding for the year if he gets yeah. to 95 i'm content with that i think he's close enough but mm. then i also look at this other pool of players that are in this price bracket yeah that i see as having the ability to go 100 105 if things fell right yeah and i think that's the thing are you capping yourself by having this guy that mm. i don't have as a top two ruck no nope, i have I on agree the fringes of a top six forward but am I just capping myself? Again, the cover's great. We love a bit of cover. We love yep. the ability to save a donut without using a trade. But over the course of a season and with the more trades I've got now, is that less important? And that's always hard. If, if, if you've got a ruck missing every second week, well, that, well obviously the, the cover's Different great. Story. But if that's the case, if your premium ruck in English or a Marshall or whoever else you like is missing that frequently, mm. well, you've got bigger fish to fry, haven't you, than just having a ruck step in for a week. That's the thing. And I think the other element in and around him, because that that DPP and that value are both very important. I think the other is, as people look at what they're doing in their ruck lines this year, for the first time in a long time, going into a year with confidence around a set and forget structure, which is two premium rucks, there's not a lot of confidence in the community. That's the right approach. It was always a Gorn and Grundy, um, even Darcy and Supercoach last year heading into the season. A lot of people were very bullish about him, but now they're looking at a, a very changed ruck division from previous years. Tom English does seem to be a consensus. We don't see concerns here. They've gone and got Rory Lobb. He's at his best as a relief ruck. There's no Martin. Sweet won't squeeze in to a, a forward line or a structure there. English feels safe. And then we probably get the next four that questions start to emerge. Rowan Marshall should be at the top of the tree. The stats of him without Ryder have been well documented across the community. But there is some concern 
that no Max King will hurt him. I think that's a bunch of nonsense for what it's worth. And if Rowan Marshall appears in the 50 most relevant, we could talk about that when we get to him, if we get to him. The other three are the interesting ones. Gorn and Grundy, do they bite their own, their own ability to score well? And Darcy now has, well, he's lost Lob, has got Jackson, who is very potential to be one of the next best up-and-coming young rucks. So I see the other appeal for Cameron for people as they go, oh, there's 10 points per game of upside. Oh, I've got DPP that might save me a trade for a week, and I don't know what to do in the rucks. Those three powers combined make a coach go, I'll take a halfway house in Darcy Cameron and hope that he's close enough as a ruck. I hope that he's close enough as a forward and that the DPP will get me through. I think that's how Kane people have kind of got to why I'm team Darcy Cameron. I think you've nailed it, MJ. You have to pick someone at, at R2. I think yes. what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing so far, like you just outlined perfectly, is there's a consensus with Tim English being, you know, the no. people's R1. There's some people that have Marshall and they're just happy days at, at R2. But there's a bit of doubt, like you mentioned. Yep. And I think people go, well, we don't know about Lloyd Meek as we, you know, as we're in January, we don't know. We don't really mm. have confidence. We don't have that cheaper ruck. Now, maybe a Scott Lysette for some people is appealing yep. more in the AFL fantasy side as a bit of value. But again, his upside's maybe similar to a Cameron again. Yeah. And Cameron's upside might be higher with the forward status. So I do think that it's almost a lack of options or a lack of confidence that push people in into that him. line that push people into it. And I totally get that as well. Yeah. You know, as I said, he's a guy I'm really, really torn on. And maybe he's someone that if everyone else falls down around him uh, at you his price, you end up going with him because you think, well, this is a better setup. You know, you've just outlined there Melbourne and Fremantle with clearly if they're fit, because the outlay of cash they've spent on those four players combined mm. is a lot they're going to have to share. Uh, now Marshall, I still think personally gets that wrong. I, I think he's, sorry. I think he's too good. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Just, just to be buried in a forward line, knowing how important the ruck is for usually generating the ball going forward. Mm. But we'll wait and see on that. So, yeah, it might be just Cameron's the best I can do. He provides some cover, and yeah, it's not ideal, but it gets me going, gets me moving in the right direction, and it's. It's a fascinating one, MJ. He's not someone that I feel like can prove much more to us. It's more what does everyone else do around him yeah, to make our scores. I think we know what he is. I think I think we've seen enough, we've got enough of a sample size. Now, clearly, if Mason Cox started the team with him, people and McStay, McStay and him, yeah, yeah, you'd be a bit you'd be a bit cautious. But I think for what we know now is we've seen an extended period of good form. We know but he's got the DPP. Mm-hmm. We're just not sure what that ruck bar is. Like you said, we came from an era of, if you want to be, if you want to pick a ruckman other than Gorn and Grundy, good luck. They better, they better have the ceiling. And, and really it was only Darcy and Jared Witts in as coach. of last year yeah. that, that showed that big value. And I think that's the, that's a tricky thing for coaches. And that's probably why at this point, as we sit now, he is popular. Yeah. And there is no reason why Gorn is negatively affected by Grundy. There actually is a, a case and a narrative that Gorn, whether it be as a floating to, to support that intercepting kings of May and Lever or pushing forward to create a structure, why he can't not only pick up DPP, 
but be equally as important. There's no reason that Brody Grundy playing as a tall mid, let alone as a ruck, can't maintain this scoring capacity of what he's done through here. There's no reason that Sean Darcy, who's shown the ability to go 110 plus in Supercoach and 100 edges in DT, there's no reason that Jackson does negatively impact and that's the beauty of the preseason is it's that oh this is going to be bad this is going to be bad this is going to be bad i'll just take it safe um and that's the appeal of cameron though isn't it cameron allows you a look and see you take the one premium at the moment it seems to be english yeah you have cameron and you're just telling yourself i'm swinging i'm gonna have I'm, i'm gonna have a look and see for five six weeks see what's going on does an injury happen in that time i think that is Something we have to give to Cameron is a massive tick. He allows you a look so and helpful. see. Yeah. He allows you a look and see at a really, you know, complicated. Low risk. Yeah. Low risk. You think he's going to be at least what he's priced at. You have a look at the other guys that maybe you like more, but you're just not mm. sure how they how they gel together. Um, and that's something you can't you can't knock. If if you're no. having a look and see in a line that's, you know, we know can be a real stressor if yeah. you don't get it right. Yep. Um, we feel Cameron's got good job security, all those things. So um, I guess simply it's the look and see how much weight do you put onto that? I think if Marshall MJ comes out and is playing sole ruck, the, the, the need for Cameron's a lot less. I think yes. people want to play Cameron as an R2 just yes, for the structural thing it provides more so than the, R, the F3, F4, Agreed having the DPP R3 and just being cover for Marshall in English. I think you okay. want him in your team at the moment. It's probably R2 because you're just not sure what's happening. Who the top two rucks are. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fair at this point in time. And that and that'll emerge potentially as the season goes on. Either way, he's relevant because there's potential value. He's a potential security blanket. He's a potential look and see. And he's also a potential guy that's good enough to be your F6 for the year and with versatility at DPP. So even if he's not in your team because you like an other option at R2, because you're going set and forget, because whatever, he's still relevant because he's got all of those thought processes that Kay and I have talked about. This is very common wrestling in the community, and that's what makes a player relevant is when you consider them. Should he be higher on the list? Maybe. But he's relevant and that's why he's at number 39. Draft is fascinating, Kane, where he goes and how people rank him. If we're ranking him based off what he did post-Grundy, that would put him in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team as a top five forward and a top three ruck. If we were to base him on what he did after Grundy and Supercoach, that would place him as a top five forward and a top 10 ruck. Now, based on what his pure rank is, though, it's 11th ruck and 14th forward by average, and 17th ruck and 22nd forward. So that would put him at an F2 spot and a late ruck pickup, but we know because of the preseason hype that's surrounding him, I find him really hard to gauge where people are going to draft him on draft day because do they value him as a ruck? Do they value him as a forward on draft day? Or do they value the ability to pick him in both? Yeah, I always think that these guys, MJ, it's a forward is where you want to take them. I yes, think I agree. The ability to get, you know, it depends on the size of your league, you know, but if you're 10 to 12, where you know that there's six other rucks pretty much playing every week that, you know, now we've got even more now with some of these guys like a Gorn and a Grundy, Jackson mm. Darcy, so on and so forth, but they're always more valuable in the forward line just because that drop off 
if you're playing 10 teams, five forwards, it's hard for that 50th forward to be better than that 10th ruck. Yes. And that's always something where, you know, we usually say it's usually ends up being about 10 points difference between, you know, you've got to give 10 points to the forwards and the backs to just to be equal footing of the mids, just due mm. with the way things map out. So for me, I'm viewing him as a forward. He, he's right there with Gordon. He, he'd be ahead yeah, of Gordon for the DPP flexibility. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, but he's probably in that group below, you know, Rosie Butters. Dylan Moore would be a right in that watch list, depending on what happens in the preseason, if that midfield sure. role looks like it's going to continue. But, um, you know, he's probably sitting in that seven to 10 sort of forward range. Yeah. Um, I think that the rucks that will go before he goes, even though I'm yep. doing, is in a for, doing him as a forward, is probably English and Marshall. Across um, formats, definitely. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are just not sure about, um, you know, Gordon and Grundy. And, and there'll be value on draft day, potentially. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing you're probably looking at, to be honest. You'd love to have, I always like picking on the turn for that reason. You might be able to actually take, you know, O'Reilly O'Brien slash Gorn slash Grundy and Cameron at the same time. But with the scarcity of the forwards, and again, I think that's a pretty clear sort of tier of mm. about eight or nine of those forwards. Yeah. Oh, he's probably going MJ in the the fifth round. Yeah. But some will leap Which, as far as the fourth just to get a forward. I think so. I um, think so. And, and and that's understand. And again, the DPP is really helpful on drafts. Um, being able to just pick up a 70s forward is a lot easier on in your player pool than a 70s ruck, depending on what your ruck structures are. And it's always about the variables of how many on field do you play utilities or your Demon possessed and playing two rucks, like all those kind of things that really impact your draft day selection. So, either way, in drafts and salary cap formats, he's very, very relevant. Hey, Kane, as always, mate, absolute legendary work from you. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, MJ. Good luck with the others. Thank you, mate. Gonna need it. Number 38 of the 50 most relevant gets revealed tomorrow. Who is it? I'll give you a clue in under 60 seconds. But if you want to go back and check out the articles on Darcy or any of the other players we've revealed so far, coachespanel.tv is where you can check them out. Wherever you listen to this podcast, yeah, good news. Same feed is where you can go and get all the other players we've revealed so far of the 50 most relevant. 50 players over 50 days looking at their relevance across fantasy football's full formats of 2023. If you're loving the podcasts and the articles, we'd love you to become a Patreon. It's just a couple of bucks a month. It helps us do what we do. uh, And we'll give you some extra bonus content rewards just for doing so. So number 38 in the 50 most relevant. This kid, in one format especially, is priced so cheap that I don't know how you don't pick him. To the point of, he's scored 90s before, and he's so cheap. But he's not just relevant in Supercoach. He's so cheap in these other formats. The other players in his team, I think people have forgotten he's such a good fantasy prospect. Who is he? I'll tell you tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.